thank you so much again for your generosity and allowing us to be doing this. And uh, man, I'm praying that that is something done way past when I'm gone here and that that is something is carried out because man, I just think that's what God wants us to do. And uh, not just about inside these walls, right? Everybody outside, out there, we want to bless people with, with God's love and, and who he is and what he can do. So I just love it. Thank you again for your generosity. I want to say good morning to everybody here. All of you who are watching online, thanks for joining us. Uh, my name's Andy. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. And before we get to the message, uh, I want to give us a, a heads up uh, on something we're doing next week, okay? We are going to be doing uh, things a little different next week with worship and the message. So uh, we're going to do it in reverse order next Sunday, okay? So we're going to do the message first and then worship, okay? Now, if you are someone who gets here a little late, uh, I'm not, not naming names. I'm not even making eye contact with anybody. I have to look at somebody, so I'm not pointing you out. But if you do that, okay, I'm just giving you a heads up uh, that you might want to get here a little bit more on time uh, because uh, it, it's a little different uh, coming in here. Because if you come in here like, you know, normal sometimes, you'll be in the middle of the message. And I can handle it. I'm a professional, okay? I can deal with it. But for you, it's a little different coming in uh, during worship where the lights are down and everybody's standing up and singing and high-fiving Jesus versus coming in like this, okay? So again... Just giving you that heads up, and uh, the, reason, the reason why we're doing that is why not? You know, I think it's okay to shake things up every now and then uh, to do it in a different order. But also, here's what we're going to do next week. Next week, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. It's going to be kind of like an Easter message in September. And I just think it would be really neat to worship as a response to the resurrection versus the other way. And both ways are great, so just want to get you ready for that. Make sure to put that in your brain or your noggin somewhere, uh, and hopefully that will be an interesting experiment to see what happens. All right. So uh, here's where we are, and here's what's going on if you're new or visiting. We've been studying God's story over uh, from the beginning of the, to end, and we started this in January. We're about 37 weeks into this, and uh, where we've gotten to is we've gotten through the whole Old Testament, uh, and, and here's what we've learned. We've, we've been learning a lot about God and us and how we work. Uh, and, and then what we've also come to see is this, is that in the thousands, think about this, in the thousands and thousands of years of recorded history of humanity, right? Uh, and us and God, we have us and God. Hopefully, here's what we've also seen, is that enough time has passed and enough history is there that we can really, we're just boiling everything down to two big ideas, two big things, okay? Here, I'm going to give them to you. One, we cannot achieve utopia on our own. We have a problem. We have a problem. And contrary to popular belief or opinion, even if we had another thousand years or even another million years, we will never be able to get there on our own because here's what we've been learning. We've been learning is that humanity doesn't get better over time. We don't get better or gooder over time. I think that's one of the biggest myths that exists out here in this world. And it's this myth of like, hey, just, just give us time. You know, we'll get more intelligence, we'll get more educated, and then we'll figure this out. We will become a better society of people if you just give us enough time. And here's my question to that. How's that working for us? There's still war. There's still senseless acts of harm and violence and, and all those things and hate. And, and before you start to say, well, that's all religion, that's all God, that's not God's fault. It's actually humanity's consequence. That's what we're seeing. It is the consequence of humanity. And, and here's what I'm going to tell you. It will not improve over time if we are the if it's just up to us to bring ultimate peace and harmony to humanity it's not possible we have a problem but here's the second thing that we've also come to learn is that we have a god who cares and he actually has a solution to our problem 
That's what we've come to understand. And so here's what we've been looking at just over the last couple months. We've been studying God's solution to our problem. Uh, and it's not a what, it's a who. All right, and it's also for us, it's not a bunch of demands that, that are given to us or a punch list of cleaning our own lives up to get us there, but it's actually through one demonstration, one act of love and mercy and forgiveness is actually going to get us there. And so everything we've been looking at, everything we've been reading on our own and studying and talking about in here over the last 37 weeks, has, it's leading us to this one event that we're going to look at today, all right? Now, if you have your outlines there, normally what I do is I'll give us a piece of scripture to open up to and then we'll study. Uh, I'm not going to do that today. We're going to actually be uh, in all four uh, gospel accounts as we look at the death of Jesus today. So we're going to be bouncing around a lot. And again, I usually give you an outline with notes on it. Uh, I just left that blank for us today because here's what I'm hoping. Uh, I, I want this to be an opportunity for us to just really bring this in. To really just bring in and allow the story of Jesus' death to just penetrate our hearts. And I do have some notes up here if you want to write them down. I think it's always a good idea. But I just want us to have a different sort of way of, of bringing this in today. And so here's where we are. We, over the last couple weeks, we've been saying that Jesus was talking about his death coming. As he was telling his disciples, and he said, i got to get to Jerusalem. i got to make my way there. Uh, and so he's there. He, he made his way to Jerusalem. And, and last week, what we saw uh, was that he and his disciples were eating dinner together. That, that everybody came in for the last meal uh jesus was the only one that knew this at this point and and we we saw that what he, the one of the things that he did there was through humility and service he washed every single one of his disciples feet and then they ate together and then that's where he said this is it this is that actually what he said he said this is where the son of man will be handed over to be crucified and after that after they ate and broke bread uh they they headed up to a vineyard uh, a garden at gethsemane uh and then that's where he was preparing himself to ultimately be put to death he knew what was going to happen and, and what he did was he prayed to god he connected with with his heavenly father all night and then eventually he gets arrested through the betrayal of one of his closest friends one of his disciples judas and so then, uh, who has him right now are the spiritual leaders, the religious leaders uh, in Rome. And so he went through these trials, actually went through four separate trials. It took all night until he finally proclaimed something that they could find to put him to death with. They asked him, are you the Christ? Are you the son of the, uh, are you the anointed one of God? And Jesus finally says, yes, I'm the one. And so this is where we're going to be picking up. So Jesus is then turned over. Uh, to the Roman government to be crucified. We're going to be in Mark 1, Mark 15. Let's pick up the story. It says this. The soldiers, so they were given to the soldiers, they led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. And again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. And falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him, and then they led him out to crucify him. And so what we're going to do today uh, is we're just going to look at the crucifixion of Jesus, what happened to Jesus. And, and what I ultimately want us to see is this, is, is how we look at this as Christians, as followers of Jesus for a few things. One is to have confidence in this, that this is a real event. This actually really happened. I want to give us more confidence. And I also want to see that this actually happened and then that we can have a deeper assurance of God's love for us and deeper assurance of, of his mercy and who he is to us. Now, we're not going to be able to cover all the stuff that happens today, but here's what I'm going to do. I want us to look 
at some of these elements that were happening. Okay, That's why we're going to jump in uh, to all of the accounts of the story and some of the major elements that were around Jesus dying on the cross to bring in the scene, sort of help us get there as best we can. And, and, and for us to understand this, that here's what I want us to see today. This is what I'm hoping we see, that every single element was not out of place. Every single thing that we're going to go through, every little detail, God wanted it to be there. There is a purpose behind every single thing that we're going to see. So let's look at this. So the first thing that we're going to look at is the means by which Jesus died, uh, which is the crucifixion. When someone was um, crucified back then, it, that, so the crucifixion when, with the Roman government was not uh, an abnormal thing to do. It was kind of a normal practice. But the other thing we need to understand uh, is that not everybody was crucified. Not everyone, it was actually kind of uh, set aside. It was, it was set apart, a special way uh, for, for people. And, and what they did was it was a special way to publicly humiliate somebody uh, and cause as much pain uh, as possible. And, and the other thing that we got to catch is a lot of times what they would do is they would do this around festivals and religious events when a lot of people would come to Jerusalem for these things. And so think about that. And, and a lot of times it took people who were crucified days to die. So just think about this, that people were coming with their families, with their kids, and that was the entertainment of the event, that they would walk and see these people being crucified, just watching somebody die that long on purpose, the intentionality of that, that crazy but but before jesus was crucified a few things actually happened to him that we can read in the accounts the first thing uh that happened to him is that, that, that he was scourged and what that means was is that the the roman soldiers they they took a, a big uh whip that actually had nine um heavy leather uh bands on it tails on it uh and on every one of those nine tails was actually uh tied with like thick hair or something like that a uh, rock and and metal and bone and what they would do is they would stand back and yield it like a sword with both hands and, and kind of just launch it into the person, launch it into Jesus, and it would wrap into him. And those elements, the rock, the, the metal, and the bone would embed into him, and then they would wait for it to embed it, and then they would rip it out. They would rip it out, and, and it would expose the, the muscle and, and all the things that were in bone and all that stuff. And they would do this 39 times. Uh, Roman law didn't allow 40 because nobody would make it to the crucifixion after that, to the cross after that. So we don't know how many times Jesus was. I'm guessing it was 39 because of how much they wanted him to die. Uh, so he, had, he was scourged. And then after the scourging, uh, they brought Jesus to what was called the praetorium. And that, this was kind of like uh, where the Roman soldiers hung out, almost kind of like a, a holding area for them. And what we see is that they mocked him. Uh, they put on a, a purple robe and they blindfolded him. They beat him. They were yelling at him. And, and then one of the soldiers, they weren't really getting anything out of him, if you could read it yourself. And, and so then one of the soldiers, it says that he started to weave something together, like some, some vines that had these thorns on it. Uh, and he made a little crown. And, and these thorns were about two inches, two inches long. And, and he put it on his head and then they beat it into his head. And then after that, he was made to carry a cross beam, just a cross beam that went across his uh, shoulders and neck that was torn up up a hill where, where they would hang him. And, and where they, what they would do it up there is they would nail his hands and feet. A lot of us know this. And where they would nail his wrists were, were in between the two big bones and the arms on both sides. And then they would nail his feet to the cross. Uh, but he wouldn't stand straight. They gave like a little bend in his knees uh, because the goal wasn't to... to bleed to death the goal was actually to suffocate 
And so they put the bend in them so somebody, so when you were doing that, you had to almost like hold your, hoist yourself up with all the muscles that you could, all the strength you could, just to get a breath and then you go back down, suffocating yet again. And, and so they slumped him so that he had to do that, go up and down. But remember the scourging basically ripped his entire neck and shoulder muscles away. They were nothing, there was nothing there. His back was all ripped up. Imagine carrying that big wooden crossbeam with a ripped up back. This was for you. This was for you to have freedom and find peace. But here's what you got to realize. You see, there's a cost involved for freedom and peace in this life that it costs us something, that it's not free. But you see, here's what Jesus did. See, when he took the whip, he said, I'll pay the price for your suffering. I'll take that on myself. And then he said, he said, it, it can be healed because of what I did. And then he, then he took the crown and he said, I, I'm going to do that so that you can have freedom in your mind that I'm gonna do that for you. And then he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang on the cross. I will get up there on that cross to forgive your debt, that I'm gonna do that for you. I will pay the price for your forgiveness. Jesus said before any of this happened, here's what he said, peace I give to you. My peace I give you. I do not give it as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. So we're gonna keep reading. This is Luke's account. And it says two others who were criminals led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. I don't know if you ever like watch the news or, or anything like that, but um, whenever a prominent figure would come up and whenever somebody like, you know, important would come up to, to speak, especially when there's something going on, they would always have kind of people flanking them like leaders and prominent people like that. So if, if for instance, like if the, if the president is up there talking about military stuff, he would have a general beside him. If a, a mayor was up talking about flooding, she would have, you know, a FEMA representative or something like that. Prominent figures, people that, that were important uh, officials and things like that. And so just think about this. Just think about this. That, that it, God in his moment on the podium, right? This is it. This is his moment, his platform to communicate to the whole world, his plan that he had for all of humanity. He chooses two unnamed thieves to flank him. Two criminals. How unfortunate is that? But how appropriate? Because really, who would be a better representative of what God was about to do? of the whole story of us and them and two thieves sitting beside him. That's what they do. See, these guys, they knew what they did. They knew it. You could read it for yourselves. They knew what they did. They knew that they were guilty. They were not innocent, and, and they knew they did wrong. Both were equally bad, okay? Both were equally bad. But let's see what happens with these two guys. Let's keep reading. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us. And so, so this guy, he's saying, you're not God. You know, I hear what they're saying. You're not God. Come on, man. Like, if you were, you wouldn't be here with us. Like, why would you be here with us? If you were, uh, then, then I'd be better off. I mean, I know that I'd be better off, but you're not anything that could help me. But then do you notice he kind of just throws a just in case out there? Do you notice that? He goes, but you know, if you can do something, by all means, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it if you can do something for me. Isn't that how sometimes we respond? I think that's how people respond still today. It's just like, okay, I mean, if there is something you can do for me, I mean, I'll take it. I'll pray a prayer, I'll come to, you know, I'll come to church, I'll, I'll do whatever it is, I'll, if, if that covers me, I'll do, I mean, don't ask me to do anything for you, but hey man, if you'll give me something, God, I, I think it's what some people do. That was one guy. But then the other guy, let's, let's see what happened with him. Here's what happened with him. The other guy rebuked the first one, he said, hey, do you not fear God, 
since you're under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed justly so he's like we belong here for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong and he said jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and he said to him truly i say to you today you will be with me in paradise and so this other guy just like the the one beside him deserved death he knew he deserved a death. He wasn't trying to get out of it. And what, but what this criminal on the cross does with Jesus is so important for us to see, okay? It's so important for us to see. Here's what he does. He goes through this sort of progression that I, we always talk about these progressions that are so important. He first recognizes God, right? He's like, no, nah, there, there's a God for sure. He recognizes God. Then he doesn't hide from his own guilt. He's like, no, nah, I know I'm guilty. He doesn't try to hide. He doesn't try to justify anything with him. And then he recognized Jesus is not like him. You see this? He's innocent. He's not like me. And then what he does is he throws himself on the mercy of God. He just throws, he doesn't say just in case, just for as he throws himself on the mercy of God. And it's so powerful. Here's why it's so powerful. It's powerful because of how Jesus responds. He says, today you'll be with me. You got it. You're in. You're in. You're with me in paradise. And it's so powerful because not only does it show how amazing God's mercy and love is, it is a roadmap to how every single person is redeemed. You see it, everybody? It's a roadmap to all of us on how we're redeemed. And so Jesus tells the guy, you're saved. You're in heaven. You're redeemed. Why would he do this? Why would he do this? This guy is of no use to the kingdom of God. He is going to die in minutes, hours, or something like that. So think about it. He has no contribution to make to society anymore. No money to give to the cause. He, has, he won't be able to share his testimony at all. He's not going to have perfect attendance at church or help the cause by one means at all. Okay, but Jesus gives him heaven. This doesn't jive with how some of us think, everybody. Why, though? Why? Let's let Jesus tell us. Because he said, I didn't come to this world to condemn it to save it i'm not gonna you don't have to jump through all these hoops to get there i'm gonna tell you how to get there and here's what i want us to see see these criminals this is what we got to catch with these guys they actually represent the dividing line of humanity they represent the dividing line for for humanity and our understanding of jesus and who he did see these two guys these their lives were almost identical yes almost identical and yet they end up eternities see that they end up and both of them were the same amount of inches away from jesus think about this and with one we see across a rejection and the other across a redemption and it had nothing to do with what they could contribute to jesus i just want us to see that matthew says this he says then those who passed by hurled insults at him shaking their heads and saying, man, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. Like, come down from the cross if you are the son of God. And so, so people came to watch him. They came to watch this. And, and, you know, I don't know why this happens. I'm not sure. But here's the thing. We get it. We totally get this. Like, we watch train wrecks all the time on tv i don't know why we're attracted to it like wrecks even like when you see you're like oh what is that and right like we we understand there's a weird fascination that we have with watching tragedy and so man we see these people walking by on the side everywhere families eating and just having it in the bazaar and just getting food and just kind of going through and watching these guys die slowly and so it was a circus it was crazy 
just know this about the crowd. Just know this about the crowd as we try to bring ourselves into this. Crowd's very fickle people. Very, very fickle people the crowd is, right? Because here's what I want us to understand. See, the same people who just a few days earlier who were shouting, Hosanna, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, they were the same ones who were saying, crucify him and mocking him. Because that's what crowds do. I don't, I don't think everybody wanted Jesus killed. But here's what I think. I think a lot of them were letting their curiosity be satisfied by the crowd. You see what I'm saying? I think a lot of them like had the, man, I wonder what's going on, but they let the, the crowd influence them, and then they just end up going with the flow, kind of going with, with what they were doing. And, and for us, gang, it could be so easy to do that. It could be so easy to let our curiosity be seized and influenced by the crowd too. And, and so here's what I just want to ask you in this moment. I want to ask you, where's your curiosity taking you? And more importantly, because I think we should be curious, by the way. Even as believers in Christ who are secure in our salvation, we should always be curious. Always be curious about people and God and, and the ways that he, that he saves people and helps people and understand like how we understand life. We should always be curious. But here's my question. Where do you let that curiosity go? And more importantly, who are you letting influence the, the satisfaction of your curiosity? Don't let anyone just do that. Don't let any, just anyone influence that. Don't be swayed. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't let your curiosity be swayed by things and people that you don't trust your life with. Fortunately, I think we do. The next thing uh, that, was, that we want to see, it's not so much uh, what was there with Jesus, but, but it's actually who wasn't. And it's the cowards, his friends, the disciples. Now, that's a strong word, right? I think that's a strong word, a coward. I, nobody likes to be called a coward, but I'm not sure how else to put it because I'm just gonna tell you what Matthew said. Even Now think about it, he said this about himself, by the way. I don't know how else to put it for these guys because here's what happened when he got arrested before he got hung on the cross. Here's what Matthew said happened. It says, at that point, all of us deserted him and fled. What do you call that? There are actually, when you look at the account, there's only really two disciples uh, that make their way or th that are at least recorded to come back and see Jesus crucified. You got Peter, uh, <laughs> who we see just deny that he even knew Jesus uh, three times actually to people. But then we see John. John does come back and he stands with Jesus' mother. He stands right there at the base of the cross. And, and here's what I think is important for us to know. Because again, I think that word is strong. Um, see, they didn't stay cowards. We got to see that. They didn't stay cowards. Like, they didn't let this be the end of their story after Jesus came back from the dead. In fact, every single one of them, except for Judas, uh, wound up being a part of the first church and seeing God do amazing things. God worked through them in amazing ways. Uh, but we have to kind of see this part of the story for them. And I don't know, man, what would you have done? I don't, you know what I mean? Sometimes I don't like reading that part and thinking about that. I'm like, man, I don't know, man. What would you have done? I, I keep, and I keep going back to last week, too, when, when Chad was talking about Jesus washing these guys' feet. And, you know, when I first was in it with Chad, when he was teaching this, I was like, I just kept thinking about Judas, and I was like, Ugh. I don't know, I was like gritting my teeth, like, Judas, you know what I mean? And, and I even wrote that in caps. I'm like, even Judas, right? I did that. And, uh, but, you know, um, I didn't think about all the other ones and what Jesus knew about them. And I don't want to remove the majesty of Jesus here by putting ourselves in his feet, but just for a second, like, imagine. Imagine being abandoned by everyone you know and love. Imagine it. The closest people in your life, they abandon you. And then you get denied and slandered, and they blend into that crowd, and you can see them. I couldn't imagine 
And yet, know this for Jesus. Knowing all that, and yet he washes their feet, and knowing all of that, what they're about to do, to abandon him, and that it doesn't move him one millimeter from how much he loved them and what he was about to do for them. Think about the majesty of that. It's amazing. Why did they do this, though, you know? Like, why did they do this? Why did they abandon Jesus and flee? Remember what they saw, right? Remember what they saw Jesus do. Remember what they heard Jesus say. I, here's why I think they, they fled. I think they fled because they were confused, Right? This isn't what's supposed to happen. Like, this is not the way that it's supposed to be. Jesus was different. I mean, I saw him walk on water. I saw him heal disease. It just disappeared. I saw him cast out demons. I saw him pray with power. He even gave me power to cast out demons. I saw it happening. God was working. Then he said, God is here. He's with us. Things are going to change, and he loves us, and he's for us. We saw all of this come to be and how he used us, and yet he gets arrested and doesn't do anything. And then he gets falsely accused and he doesn't say anything. And now he's hanging on the cross and he displays no power. He's supposed to take over. He's supposed to take over. But I mean, surely this isn't going to end in death. Like surely Jesus is going to do something. So here's what I imagine happening. I think they snuck in. I think they disguised themselves just to see. Because I mean, any minute here, Jesus is going to, Take, get out of it and take over. Any, any minute here, this, we're going to see Jesus take control. Here it is later. Knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it's finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so around the ninth hour, it says, at midday, Jesus dies. Just kind of uneventfully. Breathed his last breath as a human. And I could imagine how confusing it was for these guys for, to see this or to know what happened. But here's what they didn't see. See, here, here's what they failed to realize. That in every single step, every moment, Every blow, every breath Jesus took, you see, he was still in control. Who was really in control? I'll give you that answer, Jesus. He was in control. And some people might think, well, I don't think that's what control looks like, but let me just not say that he was in control. Here's what I want to do for us, okay? I'm, I'm going to reverse time for a second. I'm going to go back, and I'm not just going to tell you that he was, but I'm going to put you in the exact moment that I see Jesus uh, taking it and, and being in control. I want to hit rewind. I'm going to go back even before any of the scourging, before the crown, before the cross, or anything like that. So he was in this place with the priests and, and the religious leaders, and they were trying to get him. Like they were trying to go to him, they were trying to get him to confess to something that they could use to crucify him, but he wouldn't say anything. Like they were just trying to catch him on anything, but he didn't say a word. So then they were getting really frustrated. And so then what they did was they paid a couple guys to lie about Jesus. So they did that in front of Jesus, and he still didn't say anything. And he continued to not say a word until the moment was perfect when there could be no confusion to what he was about to do, when no one could do anything for him, here's the moment. I'm gonna show this to you. This is what Matthew or Mark says. It says, again, the high priest asked him, 
are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. One answer, two words. Jesus broke his silence and he simply said, I'm the guy, I'm the one. And gang, with those two words, he took control like any great general who knows the moment to take the ground running. Jesus engages. He engages. It's amazing. And what he does in that moment with those two words, he meets the sin of the world with the love and mercy of God as he spoke up and he sealed the fate of every single thing that was ever existed in this world. Our Savior, then he takes us without pause, without hesitation he walks up that hill with those two words giving the announcement to the world that god's in control not you not them not anyone jesus wasn't led to his death he was leading the world to everlasting life amen everybody it's an amazing moment he said i know what i need to do i know what i came here to do I'm not running away from it. I'm not hiding from it. I'm not, I'm not gonna perform any act that's gonna get me out of it. And, and I'm not gonna flee. I will die. I will die. And it costs him everything. And here's what I wanna tell you. 2,000 some years later, here we are. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. And so he was in control. And with that, he fulfilled, think about this, every prophecy, every single prediction about him from the very beginning of time. And, and you know, some skeptics actually might say this. Hey, man, like this is awful convenient that, you know, all this hit the nail on the head, like exactly, right? Like, man, all the Old Testament stuff points to it. And it does, I mean, it seems like pretty right. Don't you think that fits a little too good? And honestly, like, I, I get that. I actually really do get that because see, I didn't come from a biblical background before I met Jesus. I came from a skeptical background as well. I didn't believe it. I didn't really believe it. And I tried to poke holes through it all the time. I came from that place. I really did. And so I get that. Uh, but, but here's what I think with this. And again, this is my opinion. Okay, I'm just giving you my opinion and you can do with it whatever you want. It does not change. I didn't find this anywhere or hear anybody say this. No comment. This is Andy's opinion. And it has nothing uh, to change uh, Jesus dying and coming back from the dead to fulfill uh, what God's plan was from the very beginning. But here's what my opinion is. I just wonder, like thinking about these leaders and stuff, here's what I wonder. Could it be possible, okay, that these guys who killed Jesus were so arrogant that they did know the scriptures, that they did know the prophecy, uh, and either they really didn't believe in themselves, or maybe they kind of did, but like, ah, it's just a myth, it's just a story, or maybe, maybe they actually did believe it, but it's just they really did not think Jesus was actually the guy. And so I think, what well, is it possible? They said, here's what we'll do, here's what we'll do. We will follow everything to a T to prove to them that Jesus ain't the guy, that he's not the one. And so just watch, he'll die and he'll stay dead. And boy, were they wrong, everybody. That's what I think. Because, gang, it was all planned from the very beginning, from the beginning of time. It was supernatural, it was divine, unstoppable. Every player, every moment, every blow leads straight to there. And, and right now, this is where we're going to stay. Like, we're going to stay with Jesus on the cross. So how, how I want to end this morning is we're going to worship this morning. And uh, here, here's what I want to say as we take this in today. Here, here's what I know. Most of us in here are believers. And, and you know, and, and here's what, I, like, we know the end. 
We know the end. Death does not keep Jesus down, right? Like death does not uh, keep, keep its victory. Uh, he comes back from the dead. He, he comes back like to prove that he is a Christ, the son of God. And so if you didn't know that, spoiler alert, he comes back from the dead. I'm sorry I ruined next week, okay? But just if you didn't know that, he comes back from the dead. Let's praise God for that right now. He does, right? Yes, he does, yes. I'm sorry I ruined next week for you. Henry, Henry does that all the time to me when we preview movies. And I'm like, stop previewing stuff, but I'm giving you the preview. Comes back from the dead. And so we as believers can worship today. And you know, I want God to kind of work in you however he wants to, you know, but, but here's what I think we could come to worship in. That we come like knowing what put Jesus on the cross, which is our sin, our debt. He took all of that for us. He, he, all that stuff he went through is what we deserve, but we can hold that intention and, and also hold it in a relief in a relief, do you hear what I'm saying? Knowing that he gladly did it, willingly did it, and he would do it again for you. Okay, and so we could come to him and worship here. And for some of you, I wanna just ask, like with what we just covered, how have you responded? What do you, what do you respond to Jesus here? You know, maybe you're hearing you, you've drawn a conclusion about God, right, through life or whatever's going on, you, there's something going, you know, and if we heard your story, maybe we get it, right? with what you went through and what you, you know, we would, that, that we get why you would have a hard time from church and why you, and that's why we always want to create environments that are really uh, places you could come and hear this. We want this to be a safe place for you. But, you know, if we knew your story, we'd probably understand why you're a little skeptical of church, a little uh, standoffish with God. But here's what I just want you to hear with Jesus. Here's what I think Jesus is saying from the cross. I think here's what he's telling you. He's saying that in spite, in spite of what life brings, in spite of it, that you will always and only find in him what you cannot find anywhere else, which is absolute grace, absolute love, absolute mercy, and it's absolute, and you can't find it anywhere else. And here's what else I think you could find with Jesus. Get, remove everything else that, that you've experienced in this life. Just I want you to just look right at Jesus. And I think what he would also tell you is that he went through some stuff that, that he wanted us to see that he lived actually life a lot like us in a way. He, he experienced rejection. He knew uh, what loneliness was, was like. He, he knew what it felt like to hear God say no. And I think he did it. Here's what I think he did. I think he did it to prove that life, life doesn't reflect who God is and what he could do. Jesus and his death and resurrection will prove what God can do. Do you understand the difference? That's why I think he did what he did. So he could tell us and he could tell you, you can trust God. You can trust him. I know what you've been through. I've been through it too. You can trust God with your life in spite of your experiences. And I'm telling you right now, there's a room full of people who've gone through life a lot, lot similar than you think it was, and they would say the same to you. You can trust him. You can trust God. Place your faith in him. Surrender your life over to him. Stop living like with your, with your like fist clenched and trying to figure this life out. Just give your life over to him. How do you do that? Look at the other criminal on the cross. This is what we do, that you come to a place where you acknowledge God. God, I see you. I know you're real. I've had issues. I know what's going on. There's no way that this is it. And then don't, so don't try to hide or justify your own life. I know I'm not perfect. I know. I'm not, this is it. This is the path I'm telling you. And then see Jesus for who he is. And see what he did for you. That all that he went through is what you should go through. That's the debt. That's what sin does. That's the corruption that is in our hearts. And, and Jesus said, I'll gladly do that. And that he was innocent. That's the only way that he could do this because he was not guilty of anything. And then here's what you do. Admit that and you cannot do anything on your own and you throw yourself on the mercy seat of God. You can do that right now. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do it. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. I believe you can do that. So I wanna, I wanna stand everybody up. We're gonna worship today. And I wanna invite anybody who is not really considered this to, to consider it. 
Think about this. Allow God to save you right now in this moment. I'll come back out and I'll pray for us.
Oh God, we just come to you knowing that uh, we have the solution. Oh, it's so comforting to know what you did. And, and God, uh, as we come through this process of understanding what puts you up on that cross, Jesus, I pray that we can reflect and praise you that you are willing to do it for us. That you said, I will be the answer for you. I, I will do this for my glory, for, for the glory of God in heaven, that, that I will go through all of that and then do it again. But I only need to do it once. And, and we thank you so much for that, that you gave us freedom, you gave us life, you gave us everlasting. And we thank you so much. We walk out of here praising you and, and glad that you did it and, and eternally grateful for who you are and, and what you've done, not who we are and what we've done, but that you meet us in our sin with who God is and what he has done for us. We love you for that. Thank you so much. And we pray for this in Jesus' name and give him a shout and say amen, amen. Come on, let's praise God for what he's done. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, I hope this has been a good Sunday. And I know you're going to be thinking a lot about this. Don't forget about next week, just a little earlier. And we'll see you next time.